1: News talk for everyone. Let others know right now that you're tuned into quality news talk that matters. You're listening to Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton. The broadcast begins now, 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 now.
3: Well, good Tuesday evening, everyone, and welcome to your national award winning news talk program, Let's Talk America, with host Shayna Thornton. Now, of course, I am Shayna, and I am so honored and delighted that you've opted to join us live this Tuesday night. It is August 23rd, 2016. I certainly trust you're having one phenomenal and very productive week. Now, this is the final full week of August 2016. September kicks off next week. We are well on. On our way to getting through this year. Now, hopefully, you know that Let's Talk America Radio is a national award-winning family radio program that offers news talk for every single member of your household, regardless of age or generation. We've had the honor of being on air for three full years where we have presented the exclusive interviews on so many topics out there, including education, health. Law and politics, and so much more. And we will continue to be on the air, bringing you the news talk that matters for every single member of your family. Now we are live this Tuesday night, and right now I would like to encourage you to please hashtag LTA Radio, hashtag LTA Radio, all caps, a lowercase on your favorite social media outlet perhaps you are going through snapchat right now or instagram twitter or the very famous facebook please let others know that you are tuned in live by hashtagging LTA Radio, and you can also put a selfie along with that hashtag we would just love it I'm also proud to announce our newly designed website. The new web address is www.ltaradio.com. Do check it out. Again, the new web address is www.ltaradio.com. And there you can find our various social media outlets and connect with us. And we do follow back. Well, you know each and every week we present new broadcasts, and they often are exclusive interviews you want to hear. And our featured conversations tonight will in press. First off, we have famed and award-winning veteran journalist Joy Reid. She joins the show tonight to discuss her new book, set to be released very soon. We will talk about politics of the past, present, and future. And we will certainly spotlight the presidential race right now, okay? There's been a lot going on lately, and Joy's going to take that on. And lastly, we will also spotlight student loan debt with the one and only Michael Blackman. He is a professor at the University of Maryland. Now, this finance and business expert, will share his insight. So you want to stay with us. Of course, we offer the news conversations that really are appropriate for every single member of your household. And that certainly does include the kid in your household who's 9 or 10 years old also. Now, right now, I would ask you to message all of your family, friends, colleagues, and even your next door neighbor and let them know that Let's Talk America Radio, LTN Radio, is live and we're on right now. We are set to kick off one phenomenal broadcast for tonight now our signature in the news is up next and that's where we highlight the top trending news of the hour and you know here we love timely news great talk and we also love powerful music tonight we are proud to present the tunes of el hustle and young radu and you want to hear this musical selection okay well everyone we're stacked to kick it off we are on right now LTA radio keeps you informed listen in
4: Do you need to see a doctor today and can't wait two weeks for an appointment? Are you tired of waiting for hours on end in the emergency room? Well, good news. Get Well Urgent Care is open seven days a week from 10 a.m. until 10 p.m. Dr. Baruti and his well-trained staff specialize in minor surgical procedures like keloid removal, IV therapy, Telemedicine and a six month physician supervised weight loss program. Get Well Urgent Care is located in Douglasville, Georgia. Interstate 20, exit 37. Call 404 937 3508 or go to www.getwellga.org. Hi, this is Leslie. I'm really enjoying the show. Let's Talk America Keeps You in the Know. Hi, my name is Tina Harrell, and I just love
3: listening to Shana Thornton on Let's Talk America. It's wonderful. Please keep it going, Shana. Hi, I'm Yolanda, and I listen to Let's Talk America. Let's keep it going. Welcome back, everyone. I'd be remiss if I did not continue to thank and acknowledge our loyal, dedicated listeners. Thank you for joining us with our live broadcast and also for going back and listening to the podcast when you miss the actual live broadcast. It means so much. And we've also gotten the feedback that you are sharing our show with family and friends. Thank you so much. Now, if you're ever interested in sending in feedback to the show or asking any question. Simply send us an email to admin at ltaradio.com. Again, the email address is admin at ltaradio.com. And, of course, I always would like to thank and acknowledge our national sponsors and partners. Thank you for sticking with us. Your support truly is priceless. If you ever have any questions about our sponsorship or collaborations, simply email us again at admin at ltaradio.com. Well, everyone, it is Tuesday night, and we are set to deliver our signature in the news. And that's where we highlight the trending news of the hour. It's already been one busy day, and we want to keep you informed. In the news for August 23, 2016. Presidential race heating up. USA Today is reporting Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton has raised more funds than her Republican presidential rival, Donald Trump, in the very states that could decide the election often to referred to as the swing states. USA Today's analysis of new campaign finance reports show the former Secretary of State outraged businessman Donald Trump in 10 of the 11 most competitive states over the last month. The analysis did examine July contributions from individuals who had donated more than $200 to the campaigns, making July the best fundraising month for both candidates. In the news, Zika virus in Miami. Now, new cases of the Zika virus are being reported throughout the U.S., but just days ago, the CDC warned pregnant women and their partners to consider postponing travel to all parts of Miami-Dade County. Medical experts believe pregnant women are at the greatest risk because the virus can have serious consequences for unborn babies, including birth defects, neurological deficits, and miscarriages. The Miami area has seen new local non-travel cases in the last few days. 479 travel-related cases of Zika have been reported in Florida alone, while the CDC reports that over 2,000 cases of the virus is currently in the continental United States. And finally, in the news, Rio games come to an official close. The 31st Olympics in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, have come to a close. Breakout superstar gymnast Simone Biles carried the American flag at the closing ceremony this past Sunday. Now, the U.S. led in the medal count with 121 medals, with 46 being top gold. Next stop for the Olympics, Tokyo, Japan. Well, everyone, this wraps up this week's edition of In the News on Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton Radio. But you can stay connected Connect with us as we share the news 24 hours a day. If you're a news junkie, you're going to love joining us on Twitter. Connect with us there. Our handle is S.S. Thornton. Our handle on Twitter is S.S. Thornton. T-H-O-R-N-T-O-N. Well, I'm excited because our first exclusive guest is the one and only award-winning veteran journalist, Joy Reid. She's going to talk about her new book and also the politics of today and the past and what exactly does it mean for the future. You want to stay with us. You're listening to Let's Talk America Radio, and we keep you informed.
1: Bold Favor Magazine is the leadership lifestyle magazine where we highlight bold people, organizations, and causes that inspire us to live fearlessly. Subscribe, read, advertise, and enjoy, and understand how 103,000 people have subscribed to our list with substantial followings on Instagram and Twitter. To expand your brand to include professional profiles and spotlights, Enjoy a mutually beneficial partnership beyond the magazine. Call or email us today, www.boldfavormagazine.com, info at boldfavormagazine.com, or 866-611-3753. The future favors the bold. Be fearless in all you do. Bold Favor Magazine.
3: Welcome back, everyone. It is now time for an inspirational quote of the night, and this is where I highlight a pretty powerful and inspirational statement. Sometimes said by very famous people, and sometimes anonymous. And tonight, I have no source on this. It is anonymous, and it goes something like this: Don't be afraid to give up the good for the great. Again, tonight's quote is: Don't be afraid to give up the good. And go for the great and wow, what a powerful and very meaningful statement. Often in life, we can become content where we are, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. But are you sacrificing the great just to stay in a status of good or okay or good enough? After all, you deserve to be the very best you can be. All right, everyone, you've got one life. Make it the best one yet. I am so excited and honored to have veteran award-winning journalist Joanne Reed on tonight, okay? She's all over the screen. You all can see her on the one and only MSNBC with her own show. She's been in radio and television for years, and she is going to talk about politics. And that's right. We're going to focus in, horny, in, on the current 2016 presidential election. She's going to break it all down from her perspective. Stay with us. You're listening to Let's Talk America with host Shayna Thornton Radio. We keep you informed. This is Atlanta-based gospel singer Davina Williams. You can find me at www.davinawilliams.wix.com gospelsinger gospel singer. And you are listening to Let's Talk America with host
1: Shane Thornton. Yeah.
3: Welcome back, listeners, to your national award-winning news talk show, Let's Talk America, with host Shana Thornton. And you know here we feature the exclusive interviews you want to hear. And I'm so excited and honored right now to have an award-winning journalist seen on MSNBC on her own popular show titled Am Joy. It's an honor to have her on Let's Talk America Radio. Welcome to the show, Joy Ann Reed. Welcome. Thanks for, jo- thanks for having me. Uh, what a huge honor, of course. Uh, you are a veteran journalist with so much acclamation, and I'm excited to have you on. Now, I want to talk about your new book uh, titled Fracture, Barack Obama, the Clintons, and the Racial Divide, will be released very soon. As you know, Joy, we are in the midst of a heated presidential election right now, and uh, one of those names in your book's title is back on the election trail. Uh, tell us this, will Hillary Clinton's campaign or potential presidency represent a warm embrace of President Obama's legacy?
0: Well, um thanks again for having me on. I, I can tell you that it already has. Um okay. one of the sort of you know, themes in the book, which um the paperback is coming out um September twenty seventh, so we're really excited and in this edition we actually added more information about the up the current uh campaign. Um but one of the features of Hillary Clinton's run for president has been the extent to which she's really embraced Barack Obama and embraced his legacy. Um, And there was a question in the very beginning of whether she'd do that. You know, she obviously is married to a former president whose legacy she's also proud of, but Hillary Clinton has really made the decision, I think it was a wise decision, to wrap her arms around the Obama legacy. It's really helped her. It really helped her win the primary. Wow, And, yes,
3: as we know now, she uh, is very heated in the race. Now, you do talk about race in your new book, as you brought up. How has President Obama's presidency affect race relations here in the U.S.? Well, I think, you know, the polling shows that
0: race relations, at least as people describe them, are much worse um, than they were when Barack Obama was elected. Barack Obama, um, when he came on the scene in 2004, he really made himself a figure of what I call in the book racial ecumenism, where he talked past and sort of above race, that we were a country that we weren't as divided as we seem. See. And that kind of rhetoric, particularly from African Americans, is very welcome to, to white Americans. They okay. want to hear a message of reconciliation, that we've healed the divides, that racism is a thing of the past. But once he started to run in earnest, you started to see signs that that wasn't going to hold. Um, he was attacked in some ways that were blatantly racial he and his family were uh, and once he became president, he inevitably encountered situations where he had he responded as a black man and The second he did that, he was racialized in the minds of a lot of white Americans I see. and he lost the support of a significant share of white america and every time he made a statement about race that wasn 't about how wonderful the country was and how much the country had
3: fixed okay. its race problems, it just got worse. Wow. I mean, so so many words, I don't want to put them in your mouth, Joy, but do you think these racial uh, or thoughts or racial tension was already there, and as you said, as he continued along his presidency, it just sort of emerged and became beast-like? Yeah, I think
0: this country has... Its great unresolved issue is race. Um, this was a slave republic. The United States was founded on um, an ironic notion of liberty and freedom, but only liberty and freedom for landed white men. If you were not a landowning white man, none of those freedoms were meant to apply to you. Um, and so we were a country that was explicitly founded on specifically freedom just for that group of people. But as time went on, whether it was the enslaved people that they brought with them, whether it was the people from Latin America who they either imported or took over part of their country, including Mexico, whether it was the Chinese who came to build the railroads, or whether it was white women, people began to demand a share of those freedoms. And that has always been the central tension running through American society you know, there have been times when it's ebbed and times when it's flowed, but we fought a civil war over okay. enslaved, over, you know, trying to free millions and millions of enslaved people who were marked as slaves just because they were black. And then we had 100 years of Jim Crow after the Civil War. So the racism and the racial tension has always been there, but electing a black president just
3: sort of pulled the cork out of the bottle. Let's talk about uh, the history that you so eloquently described of the U.S. Uh, There is a businessman by the name of Donald Trump who is leading the Republican ticket right now. And as you know, one of his many slogans is, make America great again. How does he fit into the race conversation, Joy?
0: Well, it's interesting because uh, the Public Religion Research Institute has done a lot of work um, on what they call nostalgia voters, and these are the core of Donald Trump supporters. They're not necessarily economically deprived white voters. That's the kind of theory as to who his voters are. Trump voters are actually not necessarily any poorer than anyone else. Some of them are more affluent, but what they have in common is a nostalgia for the 1950s the era when most of them agree the country was quote-unquote great. So when you hear him saying make America great again, to his listeners, to his fans, they believed that the era before the Civil Rights Movement, before soul women's liberation, when a white man, quite frankly, could command the respect of other Americans just for who he was, you know, when the culture was more focused on the supremacy of white men, when father knows best, was the sort of um, the mode in which you saw white fatherhood, not, you know, uh, not all in the family or not family guy or not, you know, the Bundy family. That era is when they think America was great. And consequently, it also, it was the time when white working class men could earn a living and their wife could stay home. They didn't have the the competition of women in the workplace the way they do now. So a lot of it is nostalgia. So where Donald Trump fits in, he recognized that the Republican Party over the last 30 years has been selling um, ideas that really only resonate with wealthy people, tax cuts for the rich, tax cuts for business. But they have been leaving out the ideas that their real base wanted to hear, which is, reducing immigration, which is reducing oh, wow. what they see as the threat of, of uh, political correctness. That's what the base wanted to hear, and that's what they got.
3: You know, going to the Republican Party, um, as you know, there seems to be some tension with the establishment versus uh, Donald businessman, Donald Trump's camp, um, where it seems to be some sort of disagreement in, in the old way, like you're saying, talking about tax cuts. And then here he is bringing up issues of immigration and other things that make many people uncomfortable. Uh, do you think this relationship between the two of them would be a benefit for them uh, come November
0: the 8th? Well, I think in the end, what Donald Trump is actually selling, policy-wise, because he's not really a policy person, is the exact same program. That's kind of the irony of the Trump campaign. His rhetoric is about banning Muslims and banning Mexican migrants and essentially banning non-white immigrants um, and and throwing you know aspersions on people of color. That's the way he gets the excitement of his base. But the economic program he's selling is exactly the same thing. Ronald Reagan, George Herbert Walker Bush, George W. Bush have sold deep, steep tax cuts for the rich, uh, ending the estate tax, which would benefit only the wealthiest families, people with $10 million and more estates. You know, the ideas he's selling would actually not help average Americans, not even average white Americans. But his rhetoric is what they want. I don't think that they're even paying attention to his policies. So you're seeing the Republican Party, while they are uncomfortable with his racial rhetoric, they're sticking with him, by and large, because they do want those tax cuts. They do want that estate tax to end. And you're seeing what a lot of Republicans are calling a shameful willingness to look past some of the blatantly racist things he said, to look past some of the really troubling ideas, like banning all Muslim migrants, because he's still promising them the economic largesse that the 1% want.
3: You are listening to your national award-winning news talk program, Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton, and I'm so honored to be speaking right now with award-winning veteran reporter Joy Reid. She is with us right now. I want to go back to the title of your book. You do mention the Clintons. Again, the book, Fracture, Barack Obama, the Clintons, and the Racial Divide, which will be released very, very soon in September. I want to go back to President Bill Clinton, former President Bill Clinton. Tell me this. Does he help Secretary Hillary Clinton's Bid for the White House, and, and I mean, does he's had some recent run-ins with some groups, in particular the Black Lives Matters representatives? They seem to have some tension. Does he help her um, overall, and especially with African American voters?
0: Well, it's interesting. Bill Clinton used to be um, a major asset, not just to Hillary Clinton but to the Democratic Party. He's a lot less so. Uh, I think for two reasons. With African American voters, I think the Clintons, and I write a lot about this in the book, they did a lot of damage to themselves. In 2008, in the run against President, against then Senator Obama, they didn't really know how to run against an African American. They'd never done it before. Bill Clinton has always run in an alliance with African Americans. And so running against somebody who was the natural heir to being the first black president, where he was artificially named that, I think it threw them off. And they were panicked. And in their panic, they went to a lot of tropes that a southern white man might go to, comparing Barack Obama to Jesse Jackson, dismissing his stance on the war as a fairy tale but making it sound like he was saying Barack Obama's candidacy was a fairy tale. The things that he said, he kind of reverted to to southern Arkansas, white man mode, I guess you could say, grumpy old man mode, and he hurt himself. Now, he's come back uh, in terms of his his relationship with African Americans but really not because of anything he did, because of Hillary Clinton. And because Barack Obama put her in his cabinet and trusted her as his Secretary of State, that raised their stock. So right now Bill Clinton's in an awkward place. His legacy is on trial among Democrats, especially young Democrats who don't really remember the 90s. They only know what they hear about it, which is that it was a time of mass incarceration, welfare reform, triangulation against the left. And so the Bernie Sanders candidacy, Black Lives Matter, et cetera, are really challenging our view of the 90s as a golden era for black people, whereas black people who are Generation X and older do remember it as a golden economic age. Younger African Americans don't see it that way and don't want to see it that way and really dislike the Clintons.
3: So it's an awkward place for the former president. You brought up some awesome uh, talking points that Black Lives Matter movement has certainly epitomized or put on the spotlight. Now, tell me this. Is President Barack Obama friend or foe to the Black Lives Matter movement? I think he's exactly what a president should be when
0: it comes to Uh, A civil rights movement. He's neither. Um, You know, if you look back at when John Lewis was leading the Black Lives Matter movement of the 1960s um, as a member of SNCC, when he was exactly the same age as most of these Black Lives Matter activists, they were neither friend nor foe to Kennedy, uh, to Lyndon Johnson, to any president. You know, as Reverend Sharpton, my colleague at MSNBC and head of National Action Network, uh, often says, you can't expect a man to lead a march against himself. Barack Obama is not a civil rights activist. He's the president of the United States. Okay. So he is the person in negotiation with the civil rights movement called Black Lives Matter. So he's neither. I think that he is very sympathetic to their goals. I think that he and they share a founding, uh, a founding I should say, icon in a way. Because the Trayvon Martin murder was what galvanized the Black Lives Matter movement, which was then called the Movement for Black Lives, And it's also what made Barack Obama, it forced him out into the open on the subject of race because it affected him so personally. So I think that he is a friend,
3: but he's also the government. So there's always going to be a tension there. We are talking about race relations and her new book, The One and Only Joy Reid, is with us, an award-winning veteran reporter she's seen now on MSNBC and all over. Um, you know, tell me this. There have been uh, several high-profile African Americans that have been highly critical of uh, President Barack Obama. Uh, of course, uh, journalist Travis Malley has been one who comes to mind. Um, the question is out there, Joy. Has Barack, President Barack Obama done enough to help minority groups in the U.S., in particular African Americans? I
0: think there's an argument that he could have been bolder. You know, there's a guy who wrote The Audacity of Hope, right, that he could have been more audacious in his programs for African Americans. Um, I think that Tavis Miley and Cornel West, they became very problematic messengers for that because they made their antipathy to Barack Obama so personal. Um, So I think they hurt themselves as messengers because it felt so personal, that it was more about, Obama not showing up to Tavis Smiley's um, then uh, annual State of the yes. Black Union um, or not giving Cornel West the tickets that he wanted as close as he wanted to be on the dais at the inaugural. Things like that, I think, hurt them. But there are critiques that are similar. Michael Eric Dyson makes a similar critique. Um, Ta-Nehisi Coates makes a similar critique that I think are valid. I think Barack Obama comes from a, a background of respectability politics that doesn't answer the question about why African Americans are left behind economically and why they're more targeted by police. Sometimes you just have to confront the plain racism um, that has nothing to do with whether or not black people keep their pants pulled upright or wear a suit and tie okay. or have their hair in braids. So I think that he's got some issues there. And yeah, I think he could have done more. I think that being the first black president was incredibly difficult. He faced historic obstruction, and he probably wouldn't have been able to do much more. But I think um, a bolder attempt might have reduced that criticism.
3: You mentioned the name Senator Bernie Sanders a few minutes ago. Uh, He seemed at one point to offer an alternative for some Democrats and independents. Now, officially, he is out now of the presidential game. You know, how will he impact this presidential race, if at all, at this point? I think it'll be difficult. The problem with Bernie Sanders' revolution,
0: as he called it, was that it was a revolution with very few African Americans in it. And the Democratic Party, as I one of the main themes in Fracture, is how dependent the Democratic Party is on African American voters. Uh, in the wake of Lyndon Johnson signing the Voting Rights and Civil Rights Act, the Democratic Party essentially inherited the entire black vote. Uh, and lost a significant share of the white vote, which exited to the Republican Party, especially in the South. So Democrats need black voters. And Bernie Sanders did not appeal to them, didn't spend the money to do it, didn't have a campaign that really fixated on it. He did talk about Black Lives Matter because he had to. But he didn't have a systematic, systemic program to win over African-American voters over the age of 30. So he lost black votes. He only got about an average of... Not even 30% of the black vote. You can't win that way. So what Bernie Sanders had is a base of very fervent supporters, 90% of whom are already voting for Hillary Clinton. So what he could do in theory, the one place I think he could have an impact, well, two places. One would be if he were to be willing to go to college campuses and try to encourage young people to vote. Um, Young voters are not excited about this election from what most of the polling shows. They need to be energized, and he could do that. Um, Or he could be a messenger in the Rust Belt talking to disaffected
3: white working class voters who also were really open to him. Your acclaimed book, Fracture, uh, will be out very soon. Chris Matthews, everyone knows that name, host of MSNBC's Hardball, uh, has said, uh, Joy Ann Reeves exposes race as the San Andreas fault of American politics. She exposes the white-black friction that propels so much of our country's debate, from Lincoln Douglas to Obama Clinton. Rees Candid and Tough Chronicle nails it. Joy, who is this book for?
0: You know, I wrote this book for people who are not necessarily political junkies um, or history junkies, but who are, care about this upcoming election and who have an interest in understanding kind of the role that race plays, both in making Barack Obama president and helping him to win this historic election and that have made his presidency so challenging and that I think still make governing this country so challenging. So I kind of wrote it just for the average person that wants to understand a little bit better um, and put in one sort of cohesive storyline how race has affected
3: our politics. So hopefully for anybody. Okay. Wow. And the book's uh, release is very timely, of course, coming up towards the end of September. Uh, the presidential election is November the 8th. Uh, any predictions for the race, Joy? I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> well, I think one of the things that we've learned um, because of the
0: dependency of the Democrats on non-white voters and because uh, essentially Republicans have given up um, non-white voters, they do very poorly, We're going to see an electorate that's going to be almost 30% non-white. Hillary Clinton only has to win 78% of that vote in order to win the White House. Um, Right now the odds are very much in her favor. She only needs to win about 37 38% of the white vote to win. It's part of the reason white voters are frustrated, because they've seen presidencies slip away despite their overwhelming support for Republicans. And I think that if... If the turnout is normal, if we have about 60% turnout, Hillary
3: Clinton is highly likely to win. The new book coming out very soon, titled Fracture, Barack Obama, The Clintons, and the Racial Divide, written by the one and only acclaimed veteran award-winning journalist Joy Reid. Joy, where can our national and international listeners go for more information about you or your book? Well, um, you can go
0: to my website, which is joyannreed. dot com. J o y a n n r e i d. dot com. Um, hopefully, people will be interested in checking out the paperback version of the book, which um, is available for pre order now on Amazon, and the hardcover is in, you know, your local Barnes & Noble or online. So I'm really proud of the book. We, we really worked hard, and it was a year and a half in the making and dozens of interviews and transcribing, and, wow. and it was really fun to do. I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of history in it. We start in 1964, and we go right
3: up to the present day. Wow, congratulations. Thank you for joining us on Let's Talk America Radio Show. Thanks so much for having me. Hi, this is Shirley, and we just love listening to Let's Talk America with host Shayna Thornton.
4: Hi, my name is Kavarka, and I listen to Let's Talk America. Hi, my name is Nicole Dodd, and I'm tuning in every Tuesday at 7.30 to Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton. This is Audrey, and I'm listening to Let's Talk America with Shayna Thornton. This is such an awesome show. If you're not connected, you really need to be.
3: Welcome back, listeners, of your national award-winning news talk program, Let's Talk America. Now, you know we put the spotlight on the issues that matter to you, and the average class of 2016 uh, graduate owes more than $37,000 in student loan debt. Now, with 43 million borrowers nationwide, Americans owe nearly $1.3 trillion, that's right, I said trillion dollars in student loan debt. Now, uh, if you have a child in the school system right now and you have hopes and plans for them to go to college, this is something you probably should be thinking about. Or, many of our listeners or millennials or Generation Xers or baby boomers, I don't need to tell you that student loans can be skyrocketed and through the roof. I'm no expert on any of this, but I'm so excited right now to welcome someone that is. It's Michael Blackman. He is a student loan industry veteran with over 20 years' experience. He served for the past 35 years as a professor for the University of Maryland. Now, of course, he has instructed classes at the campuses in Maryland and the European headquarters of the U.S. Army uh, in Germany. He joins us tonight to talk about how students are being uh, perhaps trapped by their student loan debt, which delays their life decisions, such as getting married or buying a home. Or getting a car, or perhaps even having children. Here's some tips for how students can get a handle of their loans. Michael, welcome to Let's Talk America Radio.
2: Thank you, Shannon. Nice to be here.
3: Thank you for being with us tonight. Now, student loan debt, there's so many people listening right now. They're probably sweating some. They're wiping their heads. They're saying, Michael, I know all about it. It is a nightmare, many people consider it to be. You know, I know I shared some information at the top of the segment, but just how big is the student loan crisis? And, Michael, how did we get here?
2: How do we get here? Well, uh, I'll answer that part in, the qu- in, in a minute. But it, you know, how big is the crisis? You mentioned that it was 1.3 trillion with a T dollars. It is the largest unsecured consumer debt in the United States. So it is a huge. Uh, it's a huge uh, part of the uh, the, uh, you know, the outstanding debt for Americans, and so approximately, and it's estimated, about 25% of those people are either not making payments or they're late in making payments. And that is not a good situation. Uh, so so what, how did we get to this point? In that, yeah. basically, the cost of education has skyrocketed way beyond the, uh, the inflation rate over the last 20 or so years. Okay. And so basically... Private colleges, and when I say private four-year colleges, just seem to have been increasing and increasing, and because as the federal government kept increasing the loan limits on student loans, well, that's more money that the schools could charge, so it just got out of control. Now you mentioned that I was teaching in Europe, and where the average uh, college may cost, at the most... 2,000 U.S. type dollars or equivalent dollars, Uh, and that's not the case here, obviously. So the the cost escalation just got out of control, and as a result to pay for that cost to private schools and a lot of public schools, the student loans have have increasingly been a large part of uh, paying for the cost of education.
3: I was going to say, we've had many listeners who have sent messages in um, just talking about community issues, and one of those have been the cost of secondary education college, and they have even had some complaints with public universities. They're saying being very high in the dollar numbers, which so many people right now are saying, how can the average middle class kid afford to go to college?
2: well, how can they afford to go to college is that there are a couple of strategies in order to minimize the cost. You're not going to get rid of the cost, presuming that you don't have the money to, uh, to lay out. But it may be a good first step is for a lot of people to consider their local community colleges. Okay. They're very low cost, and you and you get and after two years, then you could transfer into a four-year school, and then you know pay the four-year school for only two years, not all four years. So that helps cut down the debt to some extent. Um, as far as uh, as far as other ways of trying to pay for yeah. the education, there are a lot of scholarship and grants that students don't even know about or do not know how to go about getting that. I mean, just a simple, sit down for a half hour with a Google search and try to find any scholarship that could be out there for you. And scholarships could run from, you know, something of a major name, like uh, the Ford Foundation, or it could be a local charity that is going to be, you know, wants to sponsor somebody who may be uh, somebody who helps out in the community. They're all over the place, and a lot of these scholarships and grants are small, but when you add them all up, it could be a significant dent into the cost. They of make a education. difference.
3: You are listening to your national award-winning news talk program, Let's Talk America. We are on uh, with uh, Professor Michael Blackman. He is breaking down student debt, student loans to all of us. I am learning as well. Now, Michael, we have all heard about refinancing, but usually we think of that for the homes, the mortgages, uh, that so many students' parents actually have. There's a concept out there called Mm -hmm. student loan consolidation or refinancing. How exactly does that work?
2: How that works is this. Now you have those student loans, whether they're federal loans or private loans. Yes. A consolidation company will take all of those loans and pay them off and then consolidate them into one loan to the borrower. So a lot of borrowers okay. seem to have loans with multiple lenders. Yes they and do. And each one is charging you the maximum, uh, monthly payment for that their particular portion so when you take let's say two or three or four different lender loans and put them together it's an incredibly high cost consolidation will take them all into one lower payment uh... to one servicer to one lender so that it minimizes the cost and so consolidation is just a strategy in order to help your cash flow to help you meet your other obligations for the month so if you have a a, $1,500-a-month student loan bill, uh, that's pretty, that precludes you from maybe renting. You may have to move back with my, your mom and dad. Or it may preclude you from even getting gas for the car in order to get into the car to pay for, to go to a job okay. that you need to earn to pay off your student loan. So it's a catch 22 all around. So as a result, uh, it gets uh, kind of problematic.
3: You know, uh, tell me this. Uh, There's so many parents listening in right now or guardians or grandparents, and they love the kids, right? And maybe they have someone that's in the 12th grade. He's going to graduate very soon. He's sharp. He has the potential of the world on his shoulders, and now they're looking at the cost of perhaps a public university or maybe one of the top elite private schools, and they're saying, well, it's no way he's going to be able to afford to go here by himself exclusively. I want to get a parent loan and help him. Any advice on parent loans are they all the same or is that something you even recommend because I know um, I know you may not be a financial advisor but there have been some very well-known financial gurus on television who have advised against parents going for student uh, parent loans to help their kids out your uh, Mm -hmm. take on that
2: well the the parent loans are generally more expensive than uh the undergr- for the the loans directly to the students yeah. uh so in, in some cases it could be as much as three percent higher okay. uh for the uh, the percentage rate now as far as uh those students who are you know i'm sorry you i just uh so, students, uh, parent plus loans uh, are something there for as a last resort. Okay. But when a student has student loans and a parent has a plus loan, those two cannot be consolidated together oh, in order okay. to, uh, to, uh, to reduce the price. In other words, it's to two different borrowers as I see. a result uh, that cannot be consolidated.
3: So, in other words, you're saying just like we research matters of our health for different treatment options, you're saying, but when it comes to student loans, we really need to do our research and our homework and see what fits each family the best, right?
2: Absolutely. It's all, you know, it, it, there's so many details and uh, so many, uh, you know, subtopics that need to be researched that not everything is generic across the board. So, so you know, there are going to be different uh, types of loans with different types of advantages and okay. benefits, and you've got to see where they are and try to fit th- th- the best one to your needs.
3: You know, uh, the world has changed somewhat. Um, Years ago, when someone graduated at 17 or 18 or even 19 years old, you assumed their credit was squeaky clean because they didn't have an opportunity to establish much credit. Um, But some individuals by the age of 19 uh, or 20 years old enter college, their credit may have some issues. Uh, Can those issues prevent someone from getting uh, student loans?
2: Uh, Pretty much only if they have defaulted on student loans before, Uh, but in terms of a federal loan, meaning through the federal government, they they don't even take a look at your credit situation. You'll get the loan. If you go to a private lender, then that could be problematic if you defaulted on student loans. If you want to consolidate student loans, uh, it will be difficult to do so if you are in default. You need to make good on those previous uh, defaults before you can consolidate. consolidate. So as a result, uh, it depends on the situation, the type of loan, and how severe the credit issue may be.
3: Let's jump forward a few years, or right now it's a reality for many uh, Generation Xers or those who are older, that if for some reason, uh, once they get out of college and they're getting the jobs and it's taking a while to pay off the student loans, which is a reality for so many Americans, Michael, right now, if someone doesn't pay, their student loans, or they go a few months or years without it. How serious is this? I mean, you people have heard stories where they, I guess, have hired companies, the student loan companies, and they're threatening people, saying you've got to pay these student loans. I mean, can you get into some pretty serious trouble if you choose not to pay them once you finish school?
2: Uh, yes, you can get into a serious trouble. Uh, so, for instance, in... Bankruptcy proceedings, student loans are not dischargeable, so they oh, never wow. go away. Uh, so, so that will follow you for the rest of your your, your life, pre, you know, unless you get some sort of legal rendering that would excuse you for that. But that's you know, very rare. So, from that perspective, it's difficult. Uh, in terms of if you. If you delay paying, at the same time the interest is accruing. You're still owing the interest, and it's adding to the uh, to the loan balance. So let's say a, you know a twenty-five thousand dollar loan could turn into tens of thousands more, depending upon how long you haven't paid, because the interest is still accruing. Uh, so it depends. Again, it's it it's going to follow you, and it's. It, You've you just got to uh, realize that when you take out a student loan, there's a big responsibility okay. uh, for you to make good on the loan because yeah. the fact of the matter is it's going to follow you.
3: It's a seriousness to it, and I know many uh, 18 or 19-year-olds may not be thinking about it at the time, but you heard it yourself from expert Michael Blanton that it's serious business. When you're signing those loans, remember, it will carry you or go with you throughout life, possibly. So you have to be responsible with it. Uh, you know, lastly, I'm going to bring up the P word, politics, presidential politics to be exact. Uh, you know just huh. as well as I do, Michael, okay. that uh, there have been candidates out there uh, touting their plans for student loan uh, refinancing and forgiveness programs, and I know you uh, know, you're not a politician right. with us on tonight. But what could these plans possibly mean for student borrowers?
2: Okay, I mean, you, get, you have two candidates that are running for presidents, yes. presidency, and, you know, they each have different slants on what they want to do. Uh, for, ince- <clears throat> excuse me, for instance, Hillary Clinton uh, wants to attack the crisis in certain ways. In other words, she wants to have some loan forgiveness. Okay. Uh, so for those who are in dire trouble, Somehow the, the loans go away and they're forgiven. But this only affects approximately 10% of the total borrowers out there. In addition, she wants to uh, have interest rates come down on student loans because uh, right now when you have the average Federal, I'm talking federal student loans, depending upon the type of loan, which will average anywhere from, let's say, 3.76% up to 6.5%. That's pretty steep when you consider that there are 10 year loans and the U.S. Treasury issues 10 year Treasury notes at at an average rate of 1.48%. So there is quite a differential. So why are we charging so much on a federal program to students uh, when the government is issuing uh, debt that is much less? Uh, so, you know, that's kind of vote uh, where uh, the Democratic side is trying to tighten up the difference there. Okay. Um, in terms of uh, also uh, she's looking for free community college. Uh, I, without really saying how is, how is this going to be paid for. Now, on the other side of the ledger, the Republican side, nothing has really been said other than something really big is going to be done with no details.
3: I see. So that's where we are politically. We will see where that uh, carries us. Uh, Of course, November 8th is the election day for uh, the presidency. Before you leave us, Michael, what great information you broke down for us. Where can our national and international listeners go for more information um, on student loans, uh, all the information you shared?
2: Yeah, uh, they could go to our website, which is called Refinally.com. R E F I N A L L Y dot com, and virtually everything you need to know about student loans and consolidations and so on will be there.
3: What great information. Michael, thank you for joining us on your national award winning news talk show, Let's Talk America.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
4: Overweight? Can't find a quick weight loss program with simple, doable exercises? Lose up to 10 pounds in three days with Chairercise, a chair exercise weight loss DVD program that transforms your body in 90 days. Get amazing results the easy way with fat-burning cardio chair exercises. Order within 30 minutes for free express shipping. Chairercise.com. C-H-A-I-R-A-C-I-S-E. Don't just exercise, Chairercise.
3: Welcome back, everyone. Well, this is an official wrap for our show tonight on Let's Talk America Radio. But you have to stay with us because we will offer a brand-new broadcast coming up this Saturday on a 860 AM radio station out of Atlanta, Georgia. We are on AM News Talk now out of the Atlanta market, and we are so excited and honored to be on. So do stay with us. You know, there's a lot going on with Let's Talk America Radio, but the best way to keep in contact and to keep up-to-date on everything, is go to our website, okay? Please visit www.ltaradio.com, and there you can find every bit of information you ever imagined, okay? And do send us feedback. We welcome it. And you can find a contact form or a feedback form there on the website. I want you to mark your calendar now, especially if you're in that Lansing metropolitan area, on Saturday, November the 19th, Let's Talk America with host Shayna Thornton presents the inaugural A Celebration of Hope. A community benefit luncheon that will actually benefit a local GED program that allows students to actually train and study and test, okay, for a great opportunity to get their education. So we love for you to join us. Find more information by visiting our website, www.ltaradio.com. Okay, everyone. Well, you know, we love timely news here, great talk, and also really neat music. And tonight, the tunes of El Hustle and Young Radu will be with us in seconds. The song is titled First Time, First time. so do uh, listen to it. It's a pretty nice hit, okay? And we certainly thank and appreciate all of our independent artists and those that are on labels for submitting their music. Thank you so much. It takes teamwork to make it all come together. Well, we shall talk soon. Remember to hashtag LTA Radio, even if you're listening to us on the replay podcast. Let others know you are tuned in. Please continue to tell others about your very own family Radio Talk Show. LTA Radio keeps you informed. Let's Talk America with host Shayna Thornton Radio is an entity of Pageant & Thomas Enterprises, LLC, all content original, copyright 2016. Guests express their own opinions. They do not belong to the staff or production team of Let's Talk America Radio.
1: I done did some things wrong, I done did some things right It don't matter when to lose, I'ma give a good fight I'm aiming for the stars, I'm not there, not quite But me achieving my goals, I can see they in sight My future is so bright, so bright, it might blind me I'm focused on the future, not focused on what's behind me Lord knows I'm trying, I'm focused on my goals What's ahead of my journey, man, only Lord knows Gotta live for my kids, provide and pay the bills Gotta keep the same mind situations get real It's a social network world, but I don't care what you think I got my own Set of eyes. I don't see what you see. I'm just trying to be me. I ain't trying to be you. I'ma live my life, so you should live yours too. I'ma gain success my life. I'm gonna live mine until it ends. I'ma treat life like it's my first time. my mistakes throughout my history homie I had to be great being accountable for all of my reactions, focusing on my goals and no all distractions. People look at you funny when your life changed. You on a different path, and now they're acting strange. Coming from the hood, you need a different light. So now I'm living for God and now I'm shining bright. Back in the day, your boy used to be hard-headed. Could have been locked in the cell, and I never forget it. And now I'm living by example. Cause I got kids. Oh, my life to them, so I handle my fears. I'm a leader of leaders, so I stand strong. Even when times get hard, I got Hold on So when I look up in the sky I know the road is mine Cause I'm hungry Y'all here like the first time, first time. Opinions, But you don't walk in my shoes, so you don't know how I'm living Just remember, my goal is to win So don't judge me on the outside looking in If I can breathe, well, I can achieve I can handle anything that this world may bring You only get one life, so live it, I'm gonna try And to continue to live my life like it's my first time